0: Right, I want to put in a quick plug for Pastor Jose and Tierra Prometida there in Titla. How awesome is that? I have spent like hours this week just, just getting ready to nail that. Titla, right? That's where we're supporting. We have a chance to give money that God has blessed us with to build a church. You saw where they were meeting. They pack in 45 people every single week into that tiny space. And as we are able to bless them and help them grow and build a new building, God's going to bring more people to them. And so we want to help grow God's kingdom through the the money he's given us. So you might be in this place where it's going to be a stretch for you to take $20 and give it to them. But you know what? Do it. You might be in a place where you could take $1,000 or $2,000 or $3,000 and give it. I want to encourage you, invite you to do that. Every bit of money given to the kingdom offering is going directly to the Center for Pregnancy Choices and directly to Pastor Jose and his church in Hawaxum, Titla. So... I want to encourage you to give. So far to this point in the last couple weeks, we've raised $3,000. We're hoping to raise $10,000. So everybody give like a little, a little clap for the $3,000, just, just a little bit, okay? And then everybody, let's give a big clap for everybody who's about to give to give us the $10,000, right? Big clap for that, yeah. So we're trusting God's going to allow us to bless these other ministries and grow his kingdom. All right, a year ago, I was about to make a big decision. It's one of those life-altering decisions, um, I don't know if you, you face those in life sometimes. You kind of hit a certain stage in life where you're done with the life altering decisions and you just got to live with your decisions at that point. But I was at a point a year ago, I was about to make a big decision and I was, I was really wrestling with it. And I don't know anybody else like me, you never feel like you hear clearly enough from God in those decisions. Like, God, why don't you speak to me more clearly? And I was trying to make this decision and figure out what I should do. And I was, I was doing all the stuff you're supposed to do, I was praying and I was fasting. And I was talking to mentors and wise, godly people around me and trying to figure out what I should do. And there just wasn't a lot of clarity. So I decided to borrow a page. You see this all throughout history, throughout the Bible. People go into the wilderness, right? They go out. Well, I was limited on my time, so I took one afternoon and went to Roosevelt State Park out in Morton. And that was the closest I could get to the wilderness. It's not the wilderness. In fact, I I started, so I went out there. And it's like, once I got out there, I realized I didn't have a plan. I was going out there to hear from God, but I got out there and I was like, what? what are you supposed to do once you get out there? Like, I'm in the wilderness. So I just started walking. You know, there's like some trails around. I just started walking for a while and I got tired of walking. So I kind of plopped down um, right off the trail. I picked a little tree and kind of like laid up beside it and was sitting there. And then I realized I could hear like an interstate. I could hear cars. Like I was not in the wilderness. Like, and so I'm sitting there just like praying a little bit you know, getting kind of bored. I've prayed long enough. I I get pretty bored pretty fast with praying. And so I'm sitting there and then pull out my Bible. I was carrying that with me and read some and that didn't seem to help. And so anybody ever been in this place? Like God, speak to me. I feel like I'm doing the the Bible-y, Jesus-y praying thing. And there's nothing happening. And so I sit there and eventually I get so comfortable and I'm so close to the Lord, I just fall asleep. You know, that's just all it is. And then they get woken up because there's a gunshot in the distance because even though this is a state park, there's other private land not far away and people are hunting. And then I start thinking, I'm trying to hear from God right now. I start thinking, man, I should have worn like an orange vest so no one shoots me thinking I'm a deer. And then I start thinking, man, this whole decision could just not be a problem if someone did accidentally shoot me thinking I'm a deer. And this is where I'm at trying to hear from God. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Like, have you been this place before? It's like, God, I believe you're real. I believe you can speak. I know you have spoken in the past. I feel like you've spoken to me before, but I got nothing, nothing. And so I walked around some more. Said hey to some people. There's a church having a little revival out there. Pretty, pretty exciting stuff out there. I walked. That wasn't helpful though. And kept walking around and eventually got in my car and left with zero clarity. And then I went to Chick-fil-A and then God spoke to me just through the Chick-fil-A, not about where I was supposed to go, but about the Chick-fil-A, that was really good. And that was my experience trying to hear from God. And I feel like often in my life, I've been at that place, God, I wanna hear from you, I need to hear from you, and all I'm getting is a gunshot in the distance and some cars driving on the interstate. Like, God, I know you can speak, but why don't you speak more clearly to me? I look back at the Bible and God speaks clearly to people. Anybody know a guy named Moses? Moses uh, grew up in Pharaoh's court. He was a a Jewish person, a Hebrew, but he grew up in Pharaoh's court. You can read the whole story, really super cool. This book called Exodus in the Bible. And he eventually gets to this point where he's living. uh, He's a shepherd, he's out in the wilderness and God speaks to him and says, hey, I want you to go and save my people out of Egypt. Bring them out, lead them in an exodus from Egypt. And so he goes, real fast, you might not have followed the timeline if you've read the story before. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to this. So don't ever think, because you're, you know, you, you hit 30 that, that your life's gone too far and, and God can't still do something with you. Don't think because you hit 60 or 70 or 80 that like you're too far from God doing something new and fresh in your life. God's a God who's calling a lady in her 90s to, to have a child that's going to lead to a great nation. God's a God who calls a guy in his 80s to go. Jesus didn't even get started with his ministry till he was 30. Like God calls people and it's not always on our timeline. And so God called Moses to go and lead the people out of Egypt. And so you probably know this story. If you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you know this story, right? (laughs) Deliver us. (laughs) Like it's such a beautiful, right? So so he goes to Egypt and God does these miracles, 10 amazing miracles. And we still believe today that God does miracles and he heals people and his power is still at work. And God does all these miracles. The people are let out of Egypt. They have to go through the Red Sea. You might not know this. It actually wasn't the Red Sea they went through. The the Hebrew says the Sea of Reeds. So it's another body of water that they go through. And so God leads them through that miraculously. And then they end up in front of this place called Mount Sinai. And Moses at this point really needs to hear from God. He's overwhelmed by the task. It says that even though he's surrounded by the whole people of Israel, he's surrounded by family, It said that Moses felt alone. He was alone. He was surrounded by people, but he was alone. He needed to hear from God. And so he goes up on Mount Sinai. He knew what was up there. It says there was thundering and lightning and there was fire. It sounds a little bit like Mount Doom, right? And he goes up there to meet with God. God says, come meet with me. So he goes up to meet with God. He's up there 40 days. He's fasting for 40 days. This is humanly possible, but very challenging. And he's experiencing God. And God's communicating his will to Moses saying, Moses, this was, this is what's ahead. This is what I want for you. This is what you should do. And he hears directly from God. And there's one point in there where Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. I just want to see you like you've been, there's been a cloud and there's been lightning and there's like, like I know you're here, but I want to see your glory. And God says, you couldn't handle my glory. And so, he, so Moses actually gets in this place, and God says, what, what I'll let you do is I'm going to pass by, and once I've passed by, I'll let you see kind of what's left. I'll let you see what's left after I pass by, and that'll be enough. You'll see my, enough of my glory. So God does that, but Moses never gets to see God's glory. But God speaks to Moses, and Moses is a, such a significant figure in the Bible because he is the founder of the Jewish faith. He's the founder of this worship of the one true God. It had happened before in the Bible, but he was the one who established it. And we had the law, the 10 commandments come through Moses. God spoke clearly to him. Now, I know I'm not a Moses and I'm not 80 and I haven't led people out of Egypt, but couldn't God speak to me too? I think about, this is really personal for me. I think about the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, right? If God can speak to one Elijah, can't he speak to another Elijah? Elijah was a prophet of God, And he was under this evil king named Ahab in the northern kingdom of Israel. And Ahab and his wife Jezebel were systematically eradicating all the prophets. By eradicating, I mean killing them by chopping their heads off. And Elijah was one of the few prophets left. But God provided for him miraculously. We see all these miracles taking place in his life. And eventually there's a drought that takes place because God brought this drought to punish the king of Israel. It lasted for three and a half years. And then God says, okay, time to have a showdown. So Elijah the prophet goes and faces off against 850 other prophets of false gods. These are not good odds, okay? If you're betting on this, you don't bet for Elijah here. It's not looking good. But they they have a showdown, and what they do is, is Elijah sets up this competition. He says, look, we'll both slaughter a bull We'll put the bull on the altar. And if your God, Baal, responds with fire, we'll all worship him. And if, if my God, the one true God, Yahweh, blesses with fire and burns up the offering, then we'll worship him. And all the people watching said, this sounds good. But they probably thought was, this sounds fun. This sounds exciting. Like this is, this is real theater. You know, there was no TV back then. Like we're <laughs> bored. This sounds fun. And so they're all gathered watching. And, and they go through this whole thing. The prophets of Baal slaughter their bull and pray for God. And, and they start cutting themselves and praying and, and Baal's not coming down. There's no fire. And Elijah, I love this sassy fellow he was. He starts, he starts heckling him. He's like, hey, maybe your God is, uh, maybe he's on a trip. Maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he's, and there's this word that my translation says, maybe he's musing. What that means is maybe he's taking a dump. Like, Elijah was just savage. He's like, maybe he's having some digestive issues, you know? He can't make it to send the fire because, you know, the Mexican last night. Maybe that's what's going on. And then Elijah prays, and God sends the fire down, burns everything up, and then we always leave this part out of the kids' storybooks. Elijah takes the 850 prophets and cuts their heads off. Like, we know... We know that Elijah was jacked because he had to lift the sword and bring it down 850 times. And then, this is, this is the best part of the story though. He, he seems to have struggled with depression, which I know is relatable to a lot of us. Because after he has this massive victory, this success, God has shown up. Suddenly he gets, he gets depressed and he gets scared because the queen is still trying to kill him. He runs off. And he goes to a mountain. Actually the same mountain that Moses went to about 400 years before him, Mount Sinai, or Mount Horeb, it's also known as. And he goes up on this mountain and he's, he wants to hear God's voice. He's saying, God, speak to me. And he's there. And, and then suddenly there's this wind that shows up. It's like, is, is this God? Is this, is this kind of the same thing happening that happened to Moses? No, God wasn't in the wind. There was an earthquake. There was a fire, but God wasn't in those. And then it says that God showed up like the sound of a thin whisper. Like, I don't, I don't even know what a thin whisper is. Like a whisper, but someone's not like, they're not even whispering enough to hear them. It's just like a, the faintest of sounds, and God was in that. See, sometimes in your own life, you gotta realize this, God is gonna show up, but he might show up in a different way than he's shown up before. We, we often want God to get in a pattern with us, to do the thing that he did before in the same way, maybe do for us what he did for our parents, or to do for us what he did in the Bible, or to do for us what he did for us five years ago, but God's gonna show up in a different way. And God speaks to him exactly what he needs to hear, encourages him, and sends him back. He sends him back to where he's supposed to go. All right, if God can speak to Moses, and God can speak to Elijah clearly, why do I struggle to hear him? I know God can do it, but why do I struggle to hear him? If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 9. This is right in the middle of of the story of what Jesus did. Uh, Luke is one of the four accounts that describes who Jesus was and how he ministered. In Luke chapter nine, we're told about how Jesus feeds the 5,000. Wish I could have been there. We talk about how how Peter, one of Jesus' followers, recognizes who Jesus is and says, you are the Christ, the anointed one of God that God sent to us. At that point, Jesus tells them, I've got to die. And he says, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross and then you got to come after me. So this is really serious time in the life of Jesus where he's starting to help his disciples know, I'm not just here to do miracles and say nice things. I'm here to die and you're gonna have to follow me in that death. So Luke chapter nine, we're gonna pick it up in verse 28. This is what the Bible says. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Notice where he goes. He goes up on the mountain to pray. He takes Peter, James, and John because these were his three closest friends and followers. Jesus had 12 close followers. He had 70 beyond that and then a larger group of people beyond that. But these three were the ones that he takes on the side quests. These are the ones that go on the side trips when there's a, he needs a little, extra, you know, a little extra support when he's off to do something. He takes these three guys. He wants them to see and to encounter what he's about to, what's about to happen. And he's there praying, verse 29. And as he was praying, now notice that. This is God in the flesh speaking to his father right? He's fully God and fully human, and he's praying, and, and notice that something good happens even to God in the flesh while he's praying. As he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. Now, what is going on here? This is what's known as the transfiguration, and at this time, what they really believed is that your face would show your character, your character would come through your face. And so Jesus, what we're seeing here is a picture of who he really is coming out, that somehow his, his disciples noticed that his face was changed, It was shining, and, and they could see who he really was. His, his clothes changed, and they were shining as well. They were white. And what's happening is the disciples, they know Jesus as he is on earth, but they're getting a picture into who he really is at his character. He is the son of God. And so they're getting this picture into who he really is. And what happens next is even more interesting. Behold, verse 30, two men were talking with him. Who were they? Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So the disciples are there. two Two men show up. And I love, like, how in the world did the disciples know who these were? Like Moses lived 1,300 years before Jesus did. Elijah lived 900 years before Jesus did. And somehow the disciples are like, oh, those are our two homies, like Elijah and, and Moses. They, like, they knew, they'd watched enough of the previous episodes, right? They knew like, this is like these recurring characters coming back in 1,300 years later. I can imagine they just had like, hello, my name is, you know, hello, my name's Moses. And they're like, oh, that's, that's the one. Okay, we get, but they, they somehow know who these people are. And Moses and Elijah are there. Now notice this, Moses and Elijah both went on Mount Sinai to seek God at pivotal times for their nation. This time, like for for Moses, it was this nation's not formed yet. God wants to create his own people. And that was what happened. So Moses was the great former of, like he formed the, the faith of Israel. But Elijah was different. When Elijah came on, the reason Elijah was so significant is because the faith worship of the one true God was about to die out. It was gone. You ever feel like that? You look around, you like wonder, like God, like what, what are you doing here? Because it seems like fewer and fewer people are genuinely following you. Elijah was facing that. And so there's this massive move. So both of them had to hear from God on a mountain at a really significant time. This is how we know it's significant. If you look throughout the whole Bible, sometimes we think the whole Bible's filled with miracles. It's not. There's a few specific times of this outbreak of miracles happening. One of the times is the time of Moses. You have all these miracles taking place in Egypt to free the people. Another time is the time of Elijah and his, his follower, his disciple, Elisha. It's really confusing, right? God, why did you do that? Like, why did you do that to us? Elijah and Elisha has made so much confusion in this world as a guy named Elijah. And, and so the, the, there's this time of amazing miracles, outbreak of miracles there. Now, you do see other miracles in the Bible. Those are the two main times until you get to Jesus. So I'm, let me pull this together for us. Elijah and Moses are there, and they're speaking with Jesus about his upcoming departure. Now, here's where it gets really fun. The word for departure in the Greek is exhadas or exodus, or the word exodus, to leave something. Same used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament to talk about the people coming out of Egypt. And so they're speaking to Jesus partially of his death that's about to come up, but his death that is going to lead a new people out of captivity to our sin into all that God has in store for us. This is the third pivotal time in Israel's history when God has become human and is about to lead them. And get this, I love this. Moses and Elijah never got to see God until they saw Jesus on the mountain, until they were there with Jesus, transformed into who he really was, And they were there to speak with him about what he was about to do, what he was about to complete. Because Moses started something with God, Elijah continued something with God, but Jesus, as God, was about to complete what he had started. And so they're all there together. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory, that is the glory of Jesus. Remember, Moses couldn't see the glory of God. But here, they're getting to see the glory of God in the flesh. And they saw the two men who were with them. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we're here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Now, probably why he said this is because he wanted to continue this moment. It's not every day you get to hang out with like God in the flesh, 1,300-year-old prophet, 900-year-old prophet, right? That's not every day. He wants to extend this time. It seems like what's going on here. As he was saying these things, the cloud came and overshadowed them. And a voice... And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they have seen. So the father speaks, God the father shows up in this cloud and speaks to them. And he says, this is my son. Jesus is the son of God. He says, this is my chosen one. You're getting real neo-Anakin vibes on this one, right? What this is a reference to is Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet, Jewish prophet, and he has a really long book of the Bible, and and he wrote down all these prophecies that God shared with him. A series of these prophecies are about one who would come who would be a servant of God, a servant of the Lord. And and we, we see these prophecies, they apply very directly to Jesus when he came, And in in Isaiah chapter 42, verse one, this servant is referred to as the chosen one of God. So here we're seeing this reference tied all the way back to the prophets of this is the chosen one. I prophesied about him hundreds of years ago through Isaiah, and he's here now. He's my son, my chosen one. And then God says, listen to him. When I hear the words, listen to him, what I think of is, listen to him. What someone who was a Jewish person would have heard when they heard the words, listen to him, is they would have thought back. I know this sounds crazy, but they would have. Moses, right, who, who's just appeared here with Jesus, back in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 says, there's gonna be someone who comes after me, another prophet. And the Jews had looked forward to this other prophet coming. They didn't think it was one of the other Old Testament prophets. They were looking forward to this prophet who would come, who would truly speak God's word to them. And, and in there, back in Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses says, listen to him. And so, so right, right here, when they hear this, they know this is not just God's son, God's chosen one. This is the prophet who's gonna share with us what God has for us. We should listen to him. It sounds pretty easy until you realize how bad of a listener you are. I realize two, two times I realize how bad of a listener I am. One is when I'm talking with someone who has a lot to say. Just without stopping. You know what I'm saying? Most men here can understand what I'm saying when I say this. Uh, And women too. Let's, and women too. A lot, sometimes someone has a lot to say and it's just, it's just a lot to soak up. They've done studies where for husbands, they, they actually tune out because it triggers the same part in their mind as a beautiful song does when the woman speaks. So it's just like men are so enraptured by this song. It's hard to listen sometimes. That's true. The other time I have, I have trouble listening. I really have trouble listening when I'm at a party. I was at a party last night hanging out and I'm talking with someone. And look, I'm invested, y'all. I'm invested in that conversation. I want to hear what they have to say. But then I hear something really juicy happening in the conversation next to me. And you know what I'm saying? That takes so much self-control. Like, I care about you, but they just brought up politics. And we're talking about whatever else. I don't want to use specifics because I was at a party last night and I don't want to refer to anybody in particular. Not that there would have been, but like I was in a conversation and they were talking about fantasy football and this is make or break it for me this weekend. I got to win my fantasy football game to get in the playoffs, okay? And so I was like, you know, I want to focus, but it's hard. Anybody else feel me on this? Like I want to give you my all, but there's a whole lot over here that's worthy of my all too. This is, this is something that, that is so true of our lives and it's true spiritually it's true It's true in human conversations. You focus on the voice you value most. You focus on the voice you value most. So if you're in a conversation and there's something else, you're gonna focus on what you value most. Do you value fantasy football or do you value this person in front of you? Do you value what your significant other has to share with you or do you value whatever's on the TV over here? You focus on the voice you value most. And so when the father appears in a cloud and says, listen to him, like this is the third great time that God has appeared on a mountain to speak to his people. He spoke to Moses on Sinai. He spoke to Elijah on Sinai. And now he's speaking to his three followers there, but all of us who follow him now and appearing on a mountain and saying, listen to Jesus. That's the voice you should value the most. And you focus on the voice you value most. So focus on Jesus. If you want to hear God speak to you, his voice is gonna sound like Jesus. His voice is gonna sound like what Jesus has to say to you in his word, what Jesus has to say to you through his Holy Spirit who can speak to you. You listen to the voice you value most. Back when I was in college, I began to struggle a little bit, not really deeply with my faith. I'd already worked through a lot of the the questions i had had about the reliability of scripture and the truth of the resurrection and was Jesus really God? I asked all those questions and, and came back to where I started, which is yes, yes, and yes. Like I can trust God and his word and Jesus. But I, I began to, to have some questions about how I was supposed to live out my faith. I was around all these people. You ever been around these people or that are really like super Christians? You know, Like I'm a pastor, but they were out, out pastoring me, right? They were like, super like they they just loved jesus so there's so much passion there and i was like i just don't have it they were like talking about all this super spiritual stuff and i'm like i that's just not my experience and i started to wonder like is there something wrong with me do i need to change something do i need to like just somehow get like a passion injection with with god or just like yeah i just love you god like i'm I'm here just like kind of will it like what am i supposed to do And then I realized that a lot of the things that people want to focus on aren't necessarily the things that Jesus said. And I actually began to go back like to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five and what's known as the Beatitudes, like blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart for they'll they'll see God. And I realized that the voice of Jesus could cut through the clutter of a lot of other things. I think there's somebody here right now, probably a lot of us here right now. We've got some clutter and chaos around us. Maybe we've drifted from the Lord or just in the middle of the confusion. We're not sure what it looks like to follow God. And I want to encourage you right now that the voice of Jesus is the voice you should value most. If you listen to him, he will speak to you. If you listen to what he said in Scripture, he will make things clear. And he may say something in Scripture that does not directly apply, but because you're listening to what he says that is clear, it will make sense of the rest of what you're going through. You focus on the voice you value most. Are you focusing on Jesus' voice? There's a lot of other voices to listen to, there's a lot of political news channels to listen to, there's a lot of TikToks to watch. There's a lot of thoughts to think, right? Sometimes the voices we listen to our voices and value most are the voices in our head. And some of you are like, yeah, I got a lot of those, right? Just, we just listen and focus on things. And it's so easy to focus and to put our, our hearts in places that aren't, aren't bringing clarity and truth to us. And what God the Father wants to say to you today is this is my son. He's my chosen one. Listen to him. Just listen to him. You may be in this place where you feel like you've been, trying, you've been trying to listen. You're burnt out, you're frustrated. Like, I just want to encourage you to go back, like read through one of the Gospels and just listen to what Jesus has to say, the kind of life he presents. What we know about God throughout Scripture and we see it even today is that God is faithful to show up to people who need to hear from him. He's faithful to show up to people who are seeking him. One of the most amazing things taking place today is all throughout the Muslim world there are tens of thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus. Now, this is important to realize. Uh, Muslims actually believe in Jesus. They don't believe he was God. They believe he was just one of the great prophets who came. They call him Isa. He appears all throughout the Quran, not all throughout, but several times in the Quran. But what's happening, and most of the time, people are... In fact, let me just show you a picture before I do this. Tess, can you throw this picture up here? This is a picture from somewhere, I'm going to say just a Muslim-majority world, um, the three people sitting up here are three missionaries. This guy's name is Jeff at the center. I'm, I'm part of a, a missions organization called One Mission Society, and, and they have missions work all over the world, and Jeff's the president of that, and he was in this, this Muslim-majority world meeting with these people, and each one of these people looked like pretty normal people, which they are, but they're all former Muslims who came to faith in Christ, and each one of them is leading multiple secret house churches, so they're all actually like almost apostles, not in a biblical sense, but like they're overseeing churches. And they're doing this, and it's in a, in a country where they would be persecuted if they were found out. Um, this is, it's very dangerous for them. But they're doing it faithfully because Jesus has appeared to them. And, and the leader of this group, you want to take that picture down, Tess? The leader of this group has said that in, 90, in their country, in their context, in 99.9% of the cases where a Muslim becomes a Christian, it's because that Muslim has had a dream or a vision of a man in white or someone who says they're Esau, says they're Jesus, appearing to them and telling them they need, to go, they need to go read the Bible, giving them a specific verse from the Bible. They don't even realize it's from the Bible. Speaking something they don't know, telling them they need to follow him, that he is God. Like what what they're experiencing really in these dreams and visions is a transfigured Jesus. Jesus as he really is appearing to them and and drawing them in. And a lot of times they're they're from backgrounds where all they know about Jesus is what is in the Quran and he's still breaking through. This is my, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And they're listening to him and it's transforming their lives and they're, they're leading movements of house churches secretly to help other people encounter Jesus. Jesus speaks, but are we focusing on his voice? Are we focusing on his voice? Like I, I have my agenda of what I'd like God to tell me. There's like a nice little list, you know? i go out to Roosevelt State Park and be like, God, here's my list, speak to me. And when I do that, he often doesn't speak to me like I want him to. But what I've found over and over again is when I listen to his voice, first of all in the Bible, what Jesus says, and then I listen to his Holy Spirit also speaking to me, confirming what he says. He speaks to me. He brings, he brings clarity to the confusion. He brings peace to the brokenness. He brings hope to the hopelessness. Like so, so maybe you're in this place where you do feel like you feel burnout, frustrated at the end of yourself. Like You need to hear Jesus say, My burden is easy, my yoke is light. Like, I'm humble in heart, he says. Like, come to me. Like you need, you need to read the Bible and hear him say that. Maybe you're at a place where you do feel this distance from God. You got some big questions and those questions have kind of just risen to the point. You haven't even defined them. They just become this tangled web of questions. You, you don't even know exactly what they are anymore, but that have gotten between you and God. And maybe you just need to hear Jesus say like he does in John chapter 15. Like as the fathers loved me, I, I've loved you. Like I, I love you. Like you just need to hear that because sometimes, right, that voice can cut through the clutter just hearing that maybe you're at this place where you, you have a lot of why questions. Like, and you feel like until you answer the why questions, you're not gonna be able to follow God. And then you start reading Jesus and you hear him say when he's hanging on the cross, my God, my God, why? And you realize that Jesus was so fully human that he asked why as well, but he still trusted and you see where the father brought him. Like, and you, So you're able to ask your why questions and sit in the middle of that because you see and have heard what Jesus has said. I want to plead with you today, wherever you are, listen to Jesus. He's going to speak to you where you are. And you may not see that miracle. You may not see the instant change, but what you'll see and what you'll know is that God is speaking. The voice you focus on is the voice that matters most for you. So focus on Jesus. We're really starting to push the one-year Bibles for this new year, I want to encourage you, there's no better way to listen to the voice of Jesus than to read his word. To read especially what Jesus has said when he was living, when he was facing the same challenges you were, when he had family issues, Jesus had big family issues, see how he responded. When he was frustrated by the idiots around him, you have idiots around you, like, and you saw how he, he responds, you know how to respond. When you're going through challenges, when you're suffering, when you're in pain, listen to the words of Jesus. You focus on the voice that you value the most. So we have to listen to Jesus.